0: welcome to another Hacker Public Radio. I'm Pokey and I'll be your host again today. Um, I'd like to propose a new recurring series today with my topic. That would be how I got over my social awkwardness, which is not to claim that I'm completely over my social awkwardness, but you know little steps here and there every little bit helps. I'm sitting here in my backyard. It's a Sunday morning. It's a Lovely day. Plenty of ambient noise going on. And I'm having a little brush fire, and a little campfire setup we have in our backyard. And it occurred to me that lots of folks don't know how to make a campfire. And it's a good skill to have because it can help you get over your social awkwardness. If you're the campfire tender at somebody's party and you do a good job with that, it's very likely you're going to get invited back. Also, learning to grill hamburgers is a good one. You're probably going to get invited back to the next party. But you, you may just want to go camping and it, it's nice to be able to light a campfire, and it's not as easy as it looks. Sometimes you get lucky, you get some real dry wood, and they light up real quick, but it's not always as easy as it looks. The biggest, most important thing about your campfire, obviously, is going to be safety. So you want to make sure that you have a good, you know, what we call a fire ring or a fire pit to have your campfire in. If you want to, like, a campground where there's a fire ring, just do it right there, right where they put it. Don't move the ring. They've prepped that spot. That's That's what you want. If you were in your own yard or something, you're going to you're gonna want to be careful uh, with what you're doing. If you're in the woods especially, you're going to want to be careful with what you're doing because fire can travel down and it can smolder in tree roots and such. So it's a really good idea if you're going to have a fire to, to dig a hole at least six inches down and, and at least, you know, maybe a foot in diameter larger than you plan to have your ring and then fill it in with non-combustible material like sand or clay if you can find some of that. And then make your ring of stones, and it's it's a good idea to have a ring around your fire because those stones will collect the fire's heat and reflect it back in towards the fire and help you burn. And it'll be much more efficient that way, and it's going to work a lot better for you. One of the other things I like to do, especially if I have some running water, is I like to fill a five-gallon bucket of water before I start. And there's a couple reasons for that. The main reason is nothing quenches a fire like smothering it in a big bucket of water. I mean you can run a garden hose over your fire and it just evaporates the water as you spray it on there but quenching it like that with a bucket of water that'll douse it real quick and, and you know it's out. I learned to make fire as a, as a Cub Scout leader with my son doing Cub Scouts and the Cub Scout motto for that is uh, "Fire's not out until it's cold out until it's putting off no heat there's cold there. So I like to completely quench it. So getting a fire started, you have several sizes of, of starting material. You want to start with your tinder. Paper works good for that. You can, you can twist up newspaper. That's fantastic. You can find things in the wild, like dry pine needles. That works good. You can do cattail fluff. That's, that burns pretty quickly. You need to have something on top of that that's going to catch just as quickly. But but cattail fluff is great for catching sparks if you're lighting your fire with a spark instead of a match or a lighter. But if you have a match or a lighter, go ahead and use that. It's going to be much easier for you. If you want the challenge of lighting it with a spark, go for it. Another couple things, if you're you know going out camping and you want to prep some fire stuff ahead of time that's easy to do, you can get some paraffin wax at a grocery store or a hardware store. Though I find it's really expensive at the hardware store. It's about three times as much for the exact same product and the same quantity. But if you melt down some paraffin wax in a, a double bath, don't ever melt paraffin over direct heat because it's highly combustible once it's liquid. But do like a double bath like you would for chocolate. If you don't know what a double bath is, go ahead and Google it. And you can dip some uh, cotton balls in there, in that paraffin wax. Don't make it so hot that you can't touch it. If you get it on your fingers, it won't burn you. That's, that's about as warm as you need to get it. Uh, you dip some cotton balls in there and it kind of seals them up, makes them pretty waterproof. But when you get out to your campsite, you can break them open. It doesn't saturate into the middle, so you have that cotton fluff in the middle that catches fire very, very quickly and very readily, even with a spark. And then the, the wax begins to melt almost immediately because it's a thin layer, and it burns for you know a good three minutes maybe, two or three minutes, and puts off some real good heat so you can get your kindling going. So above your tinder, you're going to want to put your kindling, and that's like little sticks and twigs. Uh, the smaller, the better, up to about the diameter of your pinky finger is good for kindling wood. And then above that, you kind of want to work your way up. Sticks that are the size of your thumb, you know, all the way up to maybe the size of your wrist. And anything bigger than that, you're going to want split wood. And split wood burns much better anyway. And it, it's also, it's pretty important to get dry wood, uh, unless you have a wood that burns well when it's wet. And by dry, I don't mean that it hasn't been rained on. What I mean by dry wood is that it's set out in the air for months on end, so that the water in the heart of the wood, in the center of the wood, has a time to evaporate. Uh, seasoned wood, it's also called, or gray wood, because it, it usually hardwoods will take on a gray color if they've sat out like that and been weathered. Whereas wet wood or green wood, as it's called, has so much moisture content that even if you get it to burn, it's just going to smoke a lot. A smoky fire is not fun for anybody, unless you're doing smoke signals, I guess, I don't know, or trying to smoke food over, but that's a whole different kind of fire. I'm not, I'm not worried about that. Splitting wood is not as hard as it looks. If you've got logs, you know, and you're splitting them with a mall, that's that's a whole nother story. You probably already know what you're doing there. Uh, but you can take smaller wood, you know, about the size of the of your wrist to maybe twice that size, and you can split that with a, a technique that I like. That's called batoning, where you're not actually swinging the axe or uh, your camp knife. If you've got a really large, high quality knife, you can do it with a knife also. But you basically just set the wood on end on something hard, and you the the axe or the knife on top of it and you you whack the back of the axe or the knife with like a wooden stick you you know just find a sturdy stick you know work it like a mallet and you you whack that and it splits the wood for you and it's very efficient that takes almost no effort at all and you're gonna have a nice a nice piece of wood to burn around your campfire there another thing though i mean if you're going camping for the weekend very often around campsites you'll see people selling campfire wood if it's already split and dry go ahead, that's so much less effort. You know, even if it costs you, I don't know, nowadays, probably 10 or 15 bucks for a bundle. A bundle's about all you're gonna need for one night of camping. Just keep in mind, if you're camping outdoors, you want campfire wood, <laughs> not cordwood. The, the difference being that campfire wood is usually pine or cedar or something like that. That's It's not something you want to burn indoors in a fireplace because it leaves a lot of creosote in the chimney and is a, a safety hazard to burn in a chimney, but it's fine for burning outdoors. It's considered a lower quality of wood, so it's a lot less expensive. Now, you can burn cordwood in your campfire. There's nothing stopping you from burning cordwood. It's just a hell of a lot more expensive. Once you get your tenders lit and you get your kindling going and it's time to start Burning some wood, putting some logs on that fire. This is where most people, most people who can get past the kindling stage, this is where most people kill it. They wind up smothering the fire because they do too much too soon or they do it incorrectly. You don't want to smother the fire. The key to having a fire that sustains itself is that logs don't burn themselves, they burn each other. So as they burn, they put off ultraviolet heat, radiant heat, which is where most of the heat comes off, comes off as, as ultraviolet light. So if you can take your your flattest pieces of wood that are going to put off and reflect off the most amount of ultraviolet light and aim those flat pieces of wood at each other, so keeping the, the logs parallel, you're going to have the best possible burn, the best fire going, just by keeping your logs parallel. I see people kind of just throwing logs on there and, uh, you know, all willy-nilly. And and if your fire is big enough and burning well enough, you can do that and it doesn't matter. And, and most times when you're talking about a bonfire, it's a big damn fire. You, you know, I got a buddy who throws a couple of parties every year and his fire pit's so big he just throws pallets on there without even busting them up. I mean it's it's a great big fire pit and pallets burn fantastically well because they're nothing but flat wood and they're already pointing at one another. They got a nice big channel to vent air up through um, so they burn real well. One of the easiest types of fires to get going is what they call a log cabin fire. You know often when you think about building a campfire you you think of like the teepee shaped fire, and I have never had any luck with those whatsoever. They always seem to put themselves out, they smother themselves, or they fall over, and and they just don't do anything for me. But I've always had wonderful luck with a log cabin fire. To do one of those, you basically build a stack of wood that is uh, like a Jenga stack with the, the centers knocked out. You put a couple of big logs parallel at the bottom, and then you stack your tinder and your kindling In between those logs, keeping all your sticks parallel, and then you start putting more logs. You take two more and you put them across those on top of them, and then you put some more tinder up in between those, and then you put another set of logs up in there. You can go depending on the size of your fire; you can go three or four high safely. You get too high, and I mean the things—it just becomes a roaring fire very, very quickly, and you get like a chimney of fire shooting up the middle. And not only do the flames shoot very, very high, but it also collapses very quickly and can roll right out of your ring if you build it too high like that. But that's an easy fire to get going. It's very fun. It's very impressive for people to see how quickly a fire like that can just become 15-foot tall shooting orange flames. It's, it's really fun. Another thing to do we want to keep in mind is as your, as your logs burn, uh, you want to turn them every once in a while. So it's good to have a, a long stick that you're going to use as your stirring stick. And I That's a, the other reason I like to have a bucket of water is to dip that stick in it when I'm done so I'm not taking a, a fiery stick out and, and putting it somewhere where I'm not sure somebody's going to step on it. With You know, you shouldn't have bare feet around a fire, but you can't control everybody. Lots of people do. And that's another one. Anytime I have a campfire, especially if there's kids around, that's one of the rules of our house is that if you're going to get up and walk around, you have to walk behind the people. You're not allowed to walk between a person and the fire pit because... That's how people trip and fall in and get, you know, burned in the coals or whatever, and that's, that's no good. As your fire burns down, as your logs burn down, uh, they'll, they'll become coals. They'll become charcoals, and you want to keep trying to roll your fresh logs kind of on top of the charcoal. If you get the coals at the very base, they're putting off the most heat. Of, of anything in the fire, but they're burning much slower. So they'll help to preheat all your wood and sustain that fire. Just keep everything going on top of those coals. And the coals is also because it's, it's a steady, consistent heat. That's what you want to cook over if you want to do any cooking. Even something as simply as marshmallows on a stick. Uh, and I am like a world champion marshmallow toaster. I, people laugh at me when I say that until... We roast marshmallows together and they're just, I make, I do really good marshmallows and I usually wind up having to toast a few for everybody because they just, they don't have the patience to do it. Uh, Everybody likes to hold it over the fire and try and brown it up quick and a lot of times they catch on fire, but I I never let a a marshmallow or a hot dog or anything I'm cooking over a campfire, I never let it get over the flames. I always think of the, the red light coming off that fire, the ultraviolet light coming off that fire as the actual work doing the cooking as the energy that's doing cooking because it is and I think of it like a flashlight shining on the the marshmallow the hot dog or whatever I try to get the most light evenly all the way across it and then I try to rotate it slowly and steadily just to keep the whole thing heating evenly the whole time. And you get really, really nice campfire hot dogs that way and and toasted marshmallows. And, you know, if you you show somebody how to do that, they appreciate it. Even if they don't have the patience to do it, you know, they do appreciate that you showed them. You can put like a forked stick in the ground and balance it on that. And that gets it even more consistent because you're not moving it around as much or just lay it across a rock. I like to go to... We have a store up here in the northeast of the U.S. They call the Christmas Tree Shop. And for some reason, they're the only place I've seen them. But in the summertime, they sell these bamboo skewer sticks or marshmallow sticks or whatever. And they're about two and a half feet long and just a pointy dowel, really. But you get like 20 or 30 of them for a dollar. It's so much easier than going out in the woods to find a, a whole bunch of straight, long, you know, young sticks. I, I don't know. We, just, we do that every summer. We buy a few bundles of them and we don't worry about them. Throw them in the fire when we're done with them and and no problem. But if you do have to find a stick out in the woods to, to toast a hot dog on or, or toast a marshmallow on, I like to use maple for that. If you look at the leaves of the tree, it should look like the, the leaf on the Canadian flag. That's how you identify maple. It's a nice wood. It doesn't have any funny taste to it. It doesn't. Uh, it's not poisonous in any way that I'm aware of. Maybe there's some species of maple somewhere that is. You probably want to look into that, but th- as far as I know in my area, I don't think any of them are. You know, you just get a, a long straight one, Every time I'm out camping or hiking or whatever, I carry like a folding saw and a pair of clippers with me, and you know, they don't weigh nothing, but they're good to have. And you can just clip off that little branch or whatever, trim the end of it down with your knife, so you can get your, your hot dog on there, your marshmallow on there, and kind of toast the end of the stick on the fire to dry it out a bit, and you're ready to go. It's that easy. People appreciate when you're the guy paying attention to the fire because everybody likes to sit around and do their own thing. You know, some people like to just talk, some people like to just kind of stare into the fire and get lost. And I I love doing all those things. And part of it is just maintaining the fire. And, you know, to me there's there's kinda like an art form to it to keeping it going, to know when to feed it and when to turn it and, you know, when it might need some air and I, I don't have a problem getting down on my hands and knees and blowing on the base of the fire to kind of stoke it a little. Just remember to pull your face back before you inhale again. you got to get your face out of the heat and out of the smoke. You don't want to get a good lung full of that, but you can you know, blow on the base of the fire and get it stoked up if it seems to be dying down or smoking out or if you've smothered it a little. You need to get air into it. That's usually what's going on there that's about it. Fires are just a lot of fun. There's not too much to it, but it's not immediately obvious. And and the biggest trick is just keeping your logs parallel. That was something that somebody showed me one night while I was, you know, struggling to keep a fire going for everybody. That's what he said. And it it really worked out well. And I spent the rest of the night uh, just experimenting with it and playing with it and just lining up sticks and logs and making them parallel. If you can keep them of a similar size, you know, whatever sticks are facing each other are the same size. You have, like, a, you know, two logs facing each other instead of a log facing a little stick. That works better, too. But you can also use, like, one great big log on one side and then another, maybe not as big, but maybe smaller on the other side of the fire, and put a bunch of stuff in the middle of them. That also works pretty good, too. I always had, like, a, a saying that I made up, I guess, a little rule, was that when the fire's roaring, you feed it. When it's dying, you turn it. Really what that means is that while it's dying down, all of the combustible material that's exposed to the fire and to the heat has probably burned to the point where it's either ash that isn't going to burn or it's like black char. Uh, and, it's, and it's doing the job of coal so that the orange flames are really not coming off of it anymore. But if you turn it, then you get that hot log. You know, the combustible side of it is going to be facing the heat again and your fire is going to flare right back up. Whereas when the fire's roaring, you got good orange flames going and going well. That's a good time to throw more logs on there because that that hot fire is going to be able to sustain you adding cold fuel. And it's going to be able to get that going. And I'm just picking up a few more logs to throw on my fire now. And when when I do this, when I add the cold fuel, like I said, all my logs laying in the fire pit, they're already burning. They're already kind of laying across the bottom of the pit and they're parallel to one another. So I'll take the fresh cold logs and I will lay them at 90 degrees to the burning logs. They'll be parallel to one another, to each other, but they'll be 90 degrees across from the logs that are already burning. That helps to get the air up through them and thus the flames up through them and brings them up to temperature pretty quick and it lets them reflect their own heat at each other and also downwards back at the logs that are already burning. You know, Once they get going good, sometimes I'll turn them again and uh, you know, make them parallel with the already burning logs, or sometimes, you know, those already burning logs are nothing but coals, and your fire just kind of changes direction <laughs> anyway. But, you know, that's all natural. You get the hang of it. It's pretty easy once you do it a couple of times, but, you know, I struggled with it at first. And uh, once I learned how to do it, you know, I became the guy. You know, whenever whenever I go to a party, people ask me to keep the fire going, and that really helps me to not feel so awkward and so out of place when I'm at a party you know, with a bunch of people, to have some kind of purpose there and feel like I'm wanted there helps me a lot, like I said, to get over my social awkwardness, whether it's real or perceived. You know, I got to do something to kind of get over myself, that self-defeating feeling of you know i don't really belong here or or, you know whatever it is and and that's just one of the things that i do like i said another one is learning to run the barbecue grill learning to cook hamburgers and hot dogs on the grill properly and and liking it you really you want to like what you're doing too otherwise it just becomes a task you know you you don't want that but it's great when you can you know cook up some hot dogs and some hamburgers and maybe use some chicken if somebody brings that over and uh And everybody calls you the chef the whole night long, and you know, it's not not something you asked for. And I readily tell people, like, how come you're always the guy cooking? And I say, well, that's because if I make myself useful here, you'll invite me back next year. I think they appreciate that. I've I've never been uh, not invited back to another party or another barbecue that I've cooked at. So that, you know, that seems to work for me. And, And same thing with fire tending. Not everybody wants to do it, and they don't mind, you know, letting you in there. Unless there's somebody who wants to do it, then, you know, let them have it or take turns or you know, talk about the fire. Even It's funny how, you know, it sounds dull and boring and small talk, but, you know, oh, yeah, that log's going good, or oh, there's a good pop there. It's one of those things that, you know, we all go to work every day. We do our things, you know, for these moments of relaxation and tranquility and a, a good campfire, to me is one of those moments. It's one of those things that makes life worth the living and and the work worth the doing and that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean that's it really. Go out and uh, keep a fire going for your friends sometime. It's, it's a lot of satisfaction out of it. You get to Kind of watch it and analyze it and be a little technical about it it's, it's fun so i think i've beaten this topic into the ground if you've stuck in this long thank you very much for listening i hope you got something out of it thanks for listening to hacker public radio please contribute a show we're always in need for new shows we love you thanks for listening talk to you later Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All Binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike. Fleet does our license.